Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series. We're going to be doing a lot of playoff previews, um, even though there's a couple of games that have gone by because of time of recording, but we'll do our best. Pro, what is news? Bogues, I'm actually out in LA, uh, Irvine to be exact. I'm working out um, working out some players for the NBA draft. Uh, an a- agent friend of mine uh, that used to work for Bill Duffy, he's out on his own. He works for a company called Rep One, who reps... Um, you know, Patrick Beverly, Robert Williams, and a bunch of other NBA players. And then they hired me to work out their draft class. And then also I have a college kid that I work with during the year, breaking down his film. That's testing the waters. He was going to come to Dallas to work me out. But since I'm going to be in LA, he came out here. His name is Max Christie. He was a McDonald's All-American. So working him out as well, just to educate him on the draft process to see if he gets good feedback. If he does, he'll stay in. If, you know, if not, you know, probably go back to school. So yeah, so that's, that's sort of where we're at. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool. And I saw your boy, our boy, Josh Kitty. Did you? Um, yeah, he was in the gym. He looked at me like he saw nine fucking ghosts. Like who the fuck are you? I, I didn't know if he thought I was Buddha or fucking some Harry Krishna guy trying to fucking get money off of him. But I said, I worked for the pod and He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna see Bogues next week, and I said, well, that's your fucking, that's your fault, not mine. You're gonna see that big motherfucker. So that's it. I guess he's gonna come see you. Maybe it's a surprise party that I just ruined. I don't know. Maybe, maybe first I've heard. So maybe he's maybe he's gonna show up on my doorstep and say hello. But first I've heard. But I also heard you had a, a real good interaction with these new age trainers, pro. Bogues, you gotta see this shit out here, man. I mean, literally, like. They need to be brought up on federal fucking charges, what they're doing to these kids. No pun intended. But fucking, I I look over, I I go to another gym and I'm looking and they got these two fucking kids that like basketball as much as I like fucking broccoli, right? Their parents are fucking loaded, eight figures easy, probably robbing these two poor, poor pricks for like 300 an hour. So I'm saying to myself, usually when I watch a player work out, I don't care if it's NBA high school, college, I size them up first. I'm like, all right, this is what I would probably work on, right? So I'm saying, okay, these kids, like they literally like skateboard punks, don't want to fucking be there. So I'm like, all right, maybe do some layups and ball handling, maybe teach them how to shoot correctly. Yeah, these fuckers go right into the sham god in three, the first five seconds of the of the fucking workout, they're trying to do sham gods. It was fucking criminal what these they they did to these guys then like one guy sweeping up the floor before the workout and he's got some other prick fucking taping him saying yeah i'm never above the little things it's all the actual player was sweeping the floor right no the coach that the trainer was sweeping the floor before okay like sweeping up and then he's got like of course nothing happens it's not scripted in our fucking world so he's got some prick with a fucking cell phone in front of him and he's talking into the fucking cell phone like he like it's like it was the last dance documentary and he's getting fucking interviewed for fucking you know the fucking fox sports or something i'm like what the fuck is going on then i had a trainer get it like that he's working out two little kids He's getting shots up, folks. They're rebounding for him during the fucking workout. Folks, you can't, yeah, you cannot make this fucking shit up. 
I just shake my fucking head, man. I just shake yeah, my head. Yeah, it's amazing. It's beautiful. What man. was the best prop you saw using a workout besides the broom? Uh, the broom. Oh, they have the, um, they have the, what's it called? Uh, the gloves that the, you, you, you handle the ball in that, like the weighted gloves. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah a give thing? me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah. How about you get a, he should get a weighted kick in his fucking ass for using that bullshit. It's fucking unbelievable, folks. They, they, these fucking trainers out here would coach the '92 Dream Team to a 500 record. It, they know nothing about and record basketball. it with a documentary series. Yes, docu- a, a 22 part documentary series. <laughs> it's I remember the only the only prop I had with my trainer was a skipping rope, and and the other one was I did have those. Remember those uh, kind of. Uh, goggle glasses things that didn't let you look down when you were ball handling. That were the only two things I had. I had that in my bag and a skipping rope and I hated that. I wanted to burn that skipping rope as a kid because that, that was part of my 20 minute warm up every day. Um, yeah. But the, the I remember goggles, you saying that in your pod, yeah. Yeah, man, he used to make me skip every single day and it obviously worked because coordination and agility but the goggles so you couldn't look down were, they made sense, right? So you couldn't look down at the ball. It blocked your vision looking down. But some of this shit you see today, you know, there's all kinds of. They've got they've got 15 bags of props. It's like a like a clown show at these workouts, man. You just well, like, and yeah. then and then one guy wanted to help out. One of these other trainers wanted to help us out and rebound because my fat ass. I think I need a backyotomy after fucking trying to rebound for a couple of days. My back was fucked, right? So like this guy helped. Like this guy tried to like you know help out, and I just told him. I said, look, a couple of things about our workouts. There's no fucking clown show. There's, I don't, I'm not going to have a camera crew like I'm filming Pirates of the Caribbean Part 7. This ain't Steven fucking Spielberg. This is actually teaching basketball. So if you want to do that, if you if you don't mind doing that, we're good. But, you know, it's not going to be a fucking clown show like I see out here. Folks, like, that's why our, our kids, our kids aren't all that fucked because of AU. Like, AU basketball, look, you play, right? You play, you play, you play. Yeah, it's important to work on your skills, but you play. But whatever you're being taught, you need people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about. You don't need to be certified to be a trainer. You don't have to pass the test. You, you don't have to be a coach at all. All it is is memorizing moves. That's it. And I told, I told the kid today, I was working out a college kid today. And I, I just a kid that saw me working guys out. He asked me if I'd work him out today. I said, yeah. So I said, look, buddy. I go, what do you do with your trainer at home? He's telling me all these elaborate fucking moves. They go, I, I just rolled my head. I've rolled the eyes back in my fucking head. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, look, but like when you get into a game, like, and you have whatever offensive package that you have in your game, it's like preset dials on your fuck. It's like a preset dial in your car on your radio. You got six stations, but you fuckers today, you like going into cars and looking and having 186 buttons down there instead of six. You should have four to six things you can go to at any minute that that you get, they can get you a basket. Like, how are you going to know with all these predetermined fucking bullshit moves that you work on, all isolation, never working on spacing or cutting or actually playing? That's why our young guys are fucked. Yeah, AU basketball has been around for 50 fucking years, 60 years. Like some, you know, some it's actually good for some players. It's not so great for others. But the, what's being taught to our youth is fucking criminal. Well, you can't all, you can't criminal. all, you're not all going to, five guys aren't going to handle the ball. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. Watch the playoffs. Watch the playoffs. It's unbelievable. Like, like my client, like Max Christie, we were, he, we were both watching the Dallas game. I was watching Miles. He was watching his. 
And like, we were talking about like, you know, in, cl- in, in crunch time, fucking Mike Conley makes a righty floater, an offhand floater. And he goes, wow, great shot. I'm like, yeah, opposite hand. It's really good. I go, I'm still waiting for the nine dribble, two crossover, step back, sidestep, fadeaway jump shot that all of these fuckers are working on in the gym. Like, do you see any of that in playoff basketball? That's why, like, you can say what you want. And I've, I've made fun of the NBA a bunch on this show, and I'll and I, and I hold myself to that. But in playoff basketball, that's a that's the highest level of basketball, in my opinion, you know, that you can watch because of the fact that the ball moves mostly, not all teams, but most ball moves, straight line drives, catch and shoot. You know, quick like decisions. all yeah, yeah. quick decisions. It's as Kobe told me, the game's reactionary. It's just reactionary. It's not predetermined bullshit. It's reactionary. So anyways, that's my little fucking spiel on training. It's good to today. have the uh, the swear per minute count back up to, to where it was in the first 30 odd episode. I've right? actually been nice the last few weeks. That's what I'm saying. Honest. It's good like, to have it back. Yeah. You know I, know, I know we'll get some complaints and we'll get some, some people loving it too. So come at us but uh no nah, it is it is it is interesting these days with the way things are going and the further it's a good point for the kids out there and parents that are watching playoff basketball the further it gets the higher the quality goes so the teams that make the conference finals usually are solid defensively and and they're their team first a team first team with stars right um the teams that have individuals ever rarely go deep or at least to a final series now there are outliers every now and then you you might get a brooklyn this season who play very individual but i even think that brooklyn will be moving the ball more than they usually do come playoff time so we'll see how that goes let's get rolling with this nba playoff picture real quick we'll wrap up the planes cleveland versus brooklyn no surprise there really brooklyn kind of had control of that, that that playing game the whole time. Atlanta versus Charlotte was interesting. I thought that would have been a bit closer pro. Um, Atlanta just kicked the shit out of them. Charlotte looked awful. Um, Trey Young and, and and Ball both had horror horror games shooting wise. It was an ugly game, but but Atlanta you know beat the crap out of them. And then Atlanta and, and Cleveland then play. Um, I felt like Cleveland they had control of that of that game, but they just they, the length really bothered. Uh, Atlanta in the first half. Um, Capella goes down. They go some, kind of a bit smaller. Trey Young was awful in the first half, awful in the first half, and then a lead in the second, and they, and they steal that win and, and qualify for the playoffs. Um, what were your takes on the on the East and Conference planes, bro? Yeah, it, it, same here. Like, you know, I like the series part. You know, the NCAA tournament, you get the one game and out, and um, then you get the, you know, with this, with the play and you get this one game deal and it, it, it really puts the sense of urgency back in the games and Charlotte wasn't ready to play and Atlanta was, and, you know, um, and then in the second game, like you said, like Trey young was terrible. You and I were talking back and forth a little bit about it. I think Jared Allen, you know, just coming back, played a lot of minutes and wasn't really effective down the stretch as he should be. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought Atlanta was focused. It's weird. Capella was a big part of their team all year um, with rolling to the rim, rim protection, rebounding. And to lose him, you're like, oh, boy, I don't know. I'm not really expecting great things now. I think, you know, Cleveland's going to set this one home. And I was pretty surprised, to be honest with you, that Atlanta fought back. You know, we were harsh on Atlanta last year, and they prevailed in the playoffs and did well. I don't expect them to do the same thing this year, but they did fight. Like, they got punched in the face. You expect a team like that not to really respond. They responded well, 
And uh, yeah, and, and now they, they move on and, you know, they move on to the playoffs. So interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. So they, they, I feel like Cleveland let that slip more than Atlanta took it, but you give Atlanta credit. Moving on to the West. First off, we have the Clippers versus Minnesota, which was which was interesting for in its own right. You know, Minnesota come out and win that game. Um, there was a lot of jokes and memes, which everyone would have seen, and then Championship type celebrations, which was which was pretty pretty over the top. But look, I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs um, for a long, long time. They're you know in that boat with Sacramento and a few other teams. They're finally back there, and they were pumped about it. And you know you can't fault them for that. But it was over the top. But they they beat they beat the Clippers. Um, the Spurs had their chances against New Orleans in the in the nine ten. Um, New Orleans started really cold. Spurs just I don't know what the hell's going on. They, they the rotations really shortened up from there. Regular season, no Landau, no Spurs pro. I didn't even give him a sniff, which was interesting. I thought he was, you know, it's just a real weird vibe uh, there with Landale and, and the Spurs. He played played one out of five games roughly in the regular season and would have a good game and then not play again. But the Spurs get bounced and then we go to Clippers versus New Orleans. Um, Paul George gets announced with COVID um, or in the protocol. So he's out. Uh, puts New Orleans to favourites. New Orleans start, start off real well. And then the Clippers, you know, take the lead in the third. Um, and I made a point of it. I tweeted about it. Former teammate of mine, I think Larry Nance Jr. was was the, the turning point for New Orleans, 14 and 16. But just how vital his offensive rebounds in that third and fourth quarter were to get, you know, New Orleans would often come up with, I think it was down 10 at one point and just was struggling. Their offense bogged down. They couldn't get anything. It went real isolation based. They had some horse shit offensive possessions and then Larry Nance would get an offensive rebound and kick it out to a wide open three. And um, I thought Brandon Ingram had a hell of a game, especially early on. He carried them in the first half. Um, it was a pretty good game. for Like for a play-in, that's what you want. And I think, you know, as much as we we were kind of on the fence about the planes, how's this going to work? Um, I think they've been great. I think they've been fantastic for the most part, bar the Atlanta Charlotte game. All the games were pretty entertaining, and I think that Clippers New Orleans game was, was sensational. What's your what's your takes on the West? Yeah, um, like the same. I thought that Larry Nance played big time, you know, and he's been hurt like since he got traded there. He was hurt most of the year, and he really didn't play. I thought he I thought he had surgery to have like season ended surgery you know, earlier, like right after the trade, I thought he was done. And here he comes. He just plays his role, plays hot as hell, and was able to sort of do what he needed to do and and really take, you know, take ownership of that game. And, you know, look, they were all excited about having Paul George back in the mix and, you know, that, that COVID thing. I mean, I didn't think they were tested anymore. I mean, it's crazy. And all of a sudden he's like, everyone's happy, he's back and everything's good and boom. You know, you know, you know, that's a, such a blow to them. And as tough as they are and as well as they played all year, they really need, they don't really have that score, you know, and, and, and not to have a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or both, you know, really puts them at, you know, especially in the playoffs, you need multiple scores to really get things done in multiple playmakers. And I think without Paul George and Kawhi, I just, you know, I didn't think they were going to have much of a chance. And, you know, um, you know, Minnesota, look, yeah, yeah they made fun of them and all that. Look, they were a little over the top as they, you know, no question about it. But, hey, look, like we said, they haven't made the playoffs in so long. That city loves their basketball, especially when they're winning. And um, yeah, it's cool to see, man. I mean, I don't I don't care. I like busting balls like everybody else. But they, 
look, they deserve it. They, you know, that's a big thing. Uh, you know, with me, with the play-in votes, in my opinion, I think they should shorten it up. I think they, I think seven should be in, and I think nine and ten should play one game, and then the winner plays for eight. You know, I think that if you're at seven, I think you deserve to be in, in my opinion. But mm. that's just me. I like but, that. I like that for the NBL. I, I like NBL's top four at the moment. There's talks, you know, always ongoing talks about: do we make it a top five? Do we make it a top six? Because now I've got a few more teams. Tasmania came in. I like top three in. Um, you know, five plays six. Winner plays four for four. Um, I like that for the NBL because it's obviously much less teams. Um, but yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I think the the plane's pretty pretty close to right. But yeah, you, I mean, you're. I think yeah, I think I think it's harsh on seven because yeah, generally you've done. You haven't snuck in in eight. You've done the work, got to seven. Maybe you should be automatically in. But um, I don't think they're changing it. I think they're, they're these is what's funny is the playing games are some of their better better viewing games on TV, you know, because it's one and done, right? So people are like, oh, it means everything. You know, there's no feelers in the game one or game two and adjustments. It's like, nah, like you lose this shit, you're going home. So um, it will be interesting. All right, let's get started with the West. We'll do the East second because there's a game going on right now. Um, That'll finish and then we can chat about it. But we'll start with Phoenix versus New Orleans. Regular season was 3-1 for the Suns. So, I mean, we can take that into context for the most part, but with, with the COVID seasons and whatnot, the lineups are all different through a regular season. So you can't take too much weight into that. But my pick for this series, 4-0 for Phoenix. I think New Orleans have had a hell of a season. Um, you know, the fact that they've, you know, come back from what was, I think, a 1-14 start, was it, Pro? Um, Let me check. I want to say I want to say one and eleven. I think it's one and fourteen. I'm wrong. I saw Devontae Graham tweet one and fourteen. So one and fourteen to the playoffs. Um, I could be wrong, but that's what blame him. Um, I saw the tweet, but I mean, I think it's just going to be business like for Phoenix. I think they'll sweep, but I think this is going to be an invaluable playoff series for the Pelicans. I, I really do. I think this can, you know, just because you get swept, it's not the worst thing in the world. Don't forget. You know, New Orleans started horribly. They've salvaged something out of their season, which is sensational for those young guys. It means a lot to a lot of those players who haven't even played in a playoffs before. And I think this will help set them up for the next season or the season after. You need you need to go through these kind of ass kickings to learn. And and you know, when you're getting your ass kicked by a team like Phoenix, you learn from it too. You say, oh, they they did this to us. They did that to us. This is where we want to be one day. And I think that'll be invaluable for them. But um, I think where we go with picking players, we're going to pick a kind of our impact players for each series. So for Phoenix to you know to sweep and, and do their thing, obviously, I think um, Devin Booker's the guy, you know, and he's going to be probably guarded by CJ at times, who's not the greatest defender and, and, and usually concentrates on the offensive end. So I think Booker's going to be the guy that if they if they sweep the New Orleans Pelicans, he's going to have a series and. If New Orleans are going to win or even make it a series, I think Brandon Ingram's a guy. I don't think there's a traditional, um, you know, no-brainer matchup that Phoenix have for him because of his length. He's much improved this season. He's getting to his spot. He's playing. Um, I had him in LA. He's just playing much more uh, calmer. Uh, he's getting to his spots. He's not panicking. He's making tough shots and his length, he can rise up over anybody and get his shot off. He's, he's 22, 6 and 6 for the season. Um, I think his length might cause a little bit of problems for some of the elite defenders Phoenix have. So that's my rant on, on that series. Pro, give us you know your picks and, and who you think will be the guys we need to look out for. Well, I'm picking Phoenix uh, 4-1. Not much of a surprise there. To me, Bogues, like in playoff stuff, you have your elite players, like you have your Booker and your Paul for Phoenix. But I think for me, like I think there needs to be an other person that steps up. Sometimes I'll pick an elite player, but a lot of times I'm going to pick that third player 
because you just need that other person to really step up for you to be effective in a series. And I think for Phoenix, I think Macau Bridges has to really step up, you know, like to really just put the, put their imprint on the series. Look, Paul and Booker, you know how it is. It's going to game plan and try to shut those guys down the best they can, especially Aiton as well. I think Bridges is shot making, not only a shot making, but ability to make plays, ability to get in the paint, finish, you know, make that pull up jump shot, make those shots consistently. But I think he really needs to have a great series for those guys. Look, I think it, I don't think it's going to be that hard for them, in my opinion, which means New Orleans will probably win in a sweep. But I think that Bridges really needs to um, put his stamp on things. And then sort of, look, he, he, you know, people think he's an all-star and things like, like going forward as well. And I think that to, to really do that, he needs to, to really step up in the playoffs. And not that he hasn't or he's not, you know, he hasn't done great all year. But I think be that reliable scorer throughout the playoffs, especially in the series, I think he could help. Now for, um, for New Orleans, I think, like you were talking about Ingram, like I'm a big Ingram fan. I think that you're right. He is getting better and he is, the, you know, he's the second guy or first guy would have you, but like he needs to really have this really good series, regardless of win or lose. I think that like, and like you said, he's so much better. And Kobe always told me, he said, look, elite scoring players, him included. He said, as the years go on and you improve, you improve by slowing down. You, you notice guys like that, they're always in a rush or early on in their career, rookie year. And then they learn through getting, you know, through experience and reps and getting punched in the face and trying to persevere, like slowing down is going to help in going through these series where you got to carry teams. Now it's him and McCollum, obviously, and they got a couple other guys that could step up. But like, I think that he needs to just slow down, have a really efficient series shooting the ball effectively, not just living on tough shots all the time, but really like he did, uh, like he did in the play in, you know, he really slowed down, just got to a spot, calmed down. And I thought he was very effective. So I think that he really needs to have a great series for them to have a, you know, not only have a chance to, to make some noise, win a couple of games, possibly win the series, but I think for his own development going forward, I think that he needs to really make his mark in the series. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree to give them any chance he needs to fire. Obviously, CJ's the other obvious one scoring-wise, but uh, that should be a good learning curve for uh, for New Orleans. Dallas versus Utah. <clears throat> We've had a head start so far. It's currently 1-0 for Utah. I picked this series. I went Utah 4-2. I think the Luka absence will be costly. I take the gamble that he's going to be out more than one week. Look, I don't like calves, bro, uh, when you hurt your calf. We saw it with Kevin Durant a couple of years ago. You rush back and then jeopardize your ankle, your Achilles or your foot or your plantar fascia. I don't like guys rushing back from that. He's their franchise. He's their future. I doubt they rush him back, but, you know, Luke is a competitive dude, so he might want to come back earlier than they say. That's what I'm, I'm hedging towards with my pick for Utah 4-2. I think that um, they're just going to struggle to score at times. Um, you know, you lose a guy like Luke, any team loses a guy like that. You're, you're, you're at the drawing board trying to figure out where you can get some points on the board. And we saw that in game one. We saw that in game one. Um, any game under 100 favors Utah heavily. You know, Dallas really struggled to score without without Luca um, in game one. Mitchell Mitchell was 10 for 29 for 32 points. He had 30 of those in the second half. So a poor shooting night for him. Brunson, 9 for 24 for his 24 points. Um, but, you know, obviously without Luca, those guys are going to have to fire a bit more. 
Rebounding was an interesting one in game one, Pro. Um, Dallas went to small ball lineups. Utah stayed strong with Rudy in the middle. 53 to 34 rebounding now. Dallas is, is not going to get it done with those kind of counts, even with a small ball lineup. If you go small and you lose a rebound count by five, six, ten max, you still got a chance. You lose it by 20, you're not going to win. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm 4-2. I, th- I think even if Dallas potentially get Luka back late in the series, I mean, my, my concern in playoffs is, is the momentum. Can he, sh- he, he might shift the momentum maybe for a game, but if they're down 3-1 or whatever it is, you know, 2-1 and he comes back, you still got to shift that momentum. If anyone can do it, it is Luka, but that's a concern I have. Um, I would not have picked Utah with Luka out. Um, I think Utah's been horrid in the last month of the season. I wouldn't have given him a chance with Luka healthy, but I think they can steal this series. I think the small ball lineups will continue to be key. If they're trying to get Rudy out of the game, it's going to be that chess piece, Quinn versus Jay Kidd, who does what. Rudy only had one field goal attempt in game one, Pro. Um, got most of his points for the line. I think he only, only had a handful of points, but had, had a number of rebounds. They kept him in for 30 minutes, though. Um, my players to, that, need, that need to step up, I think for Utah, I think it's a Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, one-two scoring punch. I think Mitchell needs to to score at a good, better clip than he did in game one. I think Clarkson's that X factor for him off the bench because when they dry up, um, their offense is very stagnant, very robotic. Um, Clarkson, when he plays well off the bench for him, they usually win games. And then with the um, Dallas Mavericks, my guy is your guy, Brunson. I think he's going to have a series. He has to have a series. The other one might be Dinwiddie, but I think Brunson's going to have you know a much better game than he did in game one, nine for 24. Brunson's regular season, 16-5 and 4 a night. That's probably got to go up to 25 and, and 8 for them to have a chance to be in this series when Luca hopefully does return. So that's where I'm at with that series. What do you have? Yeah, Bogues, I mean, I really still worry about... Now, I have Dallas winning 4-3, even without Luca. Um, Utah is fucking dumpster fire, and I, I'm still trying to figure out why. They almost shit-fucked away this game. I mean, they cut it to like 2 really late. And they had two good chances at trying to get, like, I think uh, Maxi Kleber missed a three in the corner. Maybe Dorian Finney-Smith or somebody missed a shot uh, before that. And they, they, I mean, they had chances to take leads, you know, and they, and they had the game. They had the game won. They were up 10 in the fourth. And they just, they just you know, they, they still almost blew it. I think, I don't know what's going on there. It's really strange. With Dallas... Look, obviously without Luca, it's going to be a big problem. But you know, they're shot making. They they play hard. They defend. They play. You know, they play well. They just don't have enough scoring in the sense that they don't have enough guys to go to. They can get them baskets. You know, they got Brunson. They got Dimwitty, and that's really about it. Now, to me, for any chance for them to do well, they need another guy. They need somebody else to step up besides because you, regardless if it's volume shooting or they're going to be efficient, you know Brunson and Dinwiddie are going to score close to twenty apiece. Dorian Finney-Smith, in my opinion, is going to have to really elevate his game offensively. He's scoring. He's not the isolation type. I think anybody will tell you that he's a shot maker and he does. You know, he could. You know, he's really improved his shooting. But he really needs to be a guy that they can go to when they, you know, you know what's going to happen. They're going to double Brunson. They're going to get him out. You get him off the ball, and then someone else is going to have to make a play. And I, I think you know Smith is a good passer, but he really needs to up his offense. You know, he averaged 10, 10 and five, 10, five and two this year. You know, throughout the year, but he really needs to be that next guy that could score because. You know how the gameplay and stuff's going to go game to game. They're going to try to take certain people away. 
and just assume that Luke is not going to come back. And even if he does, I agree. I don't think that, and even if he does, it's probably going to be one of those things where he does really well. And then like, he's going to pay the price for it physically and maybe not be able to go for another game or two. In my opinion, I'm not a fucking doctor. I have no idea, but it's just sort of a feel you've seen enough of these calf injuries without knowing exactly what, how the severity of it, that's going to be tough. And, you know, Utah, look, like I, I still think Utah could be good. It's just, it's hard. Like Bogdanovich was rolling early. You know, Donovan Mitchell had a, you know, didn't have much of a first half at all. Conley kept a minute. But I think for them to win, I think Jordan Clarkson needs to be that guy. I think Donovan Mitchell's always going to get his like 28, 30, 32 points. But, you know, and Bogdanovich is going to get his. But I think for this team to really go anywhere, it's going to be on, on on the shoulders of Jordan Clarkson really being an efficient scorer, somebody they can go to, um, you know, and just continuously be that somebody they could rely on to be efficient, make shots, make plays, but be really efficient on the offensive end. I still think Dallas can win this. I think it's going to be a dog fight. I think they have to – the biggest thing is, you know how this stuff goes, both. You're undermanned. You play really well down to the wire, and then that's it. Like, that's the highest point you get to. After you lose the first one, get punched in the face, then they, they, they sometimes the they never starts. recover from it. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, that's when the series starts, when someone gets punched in the face. But to your point about Dallas, someone else needs to step up. The other one is Bertans. You know, he needs to – he's got to provide something for him. I mean, he, he wasn't good in game one, didn't score much, didn't do him any shots, but he they brought him in in that trade. Obviously, it was a throw-in to match salaries, but – he needs to be that guy that needs to have a, a five for six three point night in this in this in this series a few times, or you know even just be out be able to be out there for twenty to thirty minutes to provide force spacing. But you know he's obviously a a net zero defensively or a minus. Um, but they need him out there hitting threes. That's why they got him in the lineup. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think Utah is just just so clunky. Just don't know what to expect from him. And, and my, my, the reason why I pick Donovan Mitchell is one of mine. I think we know what he brings. I think he has to do it at a reasonable clip for them to win. You know, he can't keep going 10 for 29. They were very, very lucky to win this game. It took a big three by Royce O'Neal, if I can get that out properly. Uh, 92-91 at the time for Utah. Hits that three with a minute remaining and, and sealed the game. But they could have easily lost that game and then the series could be a whole different talking point. So um, I think that I think it will be a good series, so I'm interested to see how it goes and, and hopefully Luca can come back. But I just don't, I don't – if it was a back for Luca or, or a hip, I'd probably be more confident because you can shoot that up and come back and it's really not going to cause you too many other issues if you play through it. The calf, there's so much risk there. You know, there's so much you risk. Ever do it? You ever do a calf, uh, Bogs? No, I've never done a soft tissue, funnily enough. Um, for as much as I've been injured, it's usually just I do it properly when I do it. Pro- you know, when I get hurt, I, I really go go the hard yards of a car accident type injury, so I make sure that I'm out for a while. <laughs> Good job, brother. Yeah, yeah. Good but job. I just worry about calves, man. Like I saw it with Kevin Durant. I've seen it with other guys. They're never a seven-day recovery, man. It's usually at least 10 or 14 days, if not more. So we'll watch that space. All right, Golden State Warriors versus Denver. I uh, Denver is three and one in the season series now. Can't look too much into that. They they had a back to back towards the end of the season where they sent their their whole bench mob and didn't send their starters. So you can't look too much into it. But Denver up three one, which helps their confidence. I got Golden State four two. I think even with a half healthy Steph, um, which is looking like they're saying he's going to be ready for game one, but I assume he'll be on a minute limit for about 20-odd minutes, I think their championship merit will show in this series. I think Denver are depleted when you look at their roster. I think this is as far as Jokic will take them. He's at an MVP caliber year. 
I mean, the question marks, DG's going to play some five and guard Jokic. Will he do that without a double? Who knows? I think they'll, they'll probably send some help down there, especially if, if Draymond's in, um, in foul trouble. Will Clay have a series? Now, you know, Clay's recovering from an injury. He's been on record about trying to get back into his the fuel for his body. He said that, you know, defensively he hasn't been as good as he was previously because he just doesn't have legs. This will help him. I know the games are in Denver with the altitude, but usually playoff games, you know, two to three day break between games will help him immensely. No back to backs, no extra traveling. So I think that's going to help Clay get his legs back. With Steph healthy, bro, who starts? Um, you know, Paul, does Paul then go, go back to the bench? Because he's had a hell of a last month or two. Um, that's a question they get asked, you know, because you, you've got Steph, you've got Clay. Um, Draymond, they'll start Looney on on uh, on Jokic just so there's no foul trouble, and then you have Wiggins at the three. I think if you start Paul and put Wiggins on the bench, you, you're not going to get much from Wiggins. Um, he's had a horror last two months, hasn't played great, so I think you keep him in the starting lineup, bring Paul off. So there's a lot of people asking those questions. For me, um, Clay's my, my my guy. I think with with a ginger there for Steph, that's kind of. On a minute limit, Clay's Clay's got a fire. He's got to go. He's he's twenty a night off the injury in the regular season, which is still pretty decent. I mean, he's had some some bad shooting clips, but twenty a night, twenty a night. I think you'll see him up that at a better better clip for them to to cruise through that series. Um, and Denver, I don't really need to say anything about who the X factor is there. I mean, Jokic is twenty nine, twelve, and eight and a half assists on the season. He's got to you know he's almost got to go you know thirty ten and ten a night, thirty fifteen and ten a night for them to try to win games. I just don't think they have enough. They've got, you know, two, two odd players in their starting lineup that would have been bench guys. And now you've got fringe bench guys that are 10, 11, 12 guys that are, you know, first off the bench just because of their injuries. So um, I think I think Denver will lose this 4-2 pro. Now, what do you have? You're going to shock us. You're going to shock the world, aren't you? Uh, I'm not much of a shock of a world fan, but I think, I think Denver's going to win this series. I, you know, it's funny because I always get screwed on this stuff. Like, I go by how the team's playing upwards up into the tournament, you know, up into the playoffs. And Golden State's just been so up and down and mostly down. And Denver's been like, they've been steady. They've been, they've been winning. They've been, you know, look, Jokic is putting up fucking Will Chamberlain numbers. And I get it. Like, it, it's, um, they've been playing well. I think that Denver's going to win 4-2. Now, maybe because of playoffs and experience, that Curry and those guys are just going to like turn it back on. The problem is for me, I haven't seen it consistently throughout the second half of the year, you know, with the injury to Steph and then Clay to try to find his legs. And, you know, obviously we understand that. I think Denver just with their mentality, their toughness, you know, knock on wood, as long as Jokic stays healthy, I think that they could have a chance here. Um, I actually have, well, for Golden State, you know, it's all about, you know, it's all about Stephen Clay. It's all about Stephen Clay as far as like, can they, can they get consistent enough to, you know, to take this team to another level? I think for them, I think for Golden State to win, in my opinion, Wiggins has to step up. You know, like Wiggins has to be the guy, regardless of how Clay and Steph's doing. This has been his whole career problem. You know, in big games, in my opinion, Wiggins hasn't stepped up in big situations where he needed to really take his game to another level. I think, you know, that he hasn't really shown that he's had a really good year. He's turning a corner, all-star, all that. And I think that this, you could really solidify your career by having great playoff series and a great run in the playoffs. 
And I think that that's for any player. You know, we, we look back at last game with Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think Donovan could really, you know, cement his, you know, his, sort of his name in the game by, look, you're an all-star and all that, but you, you know, you're not really anointed that until you really could carry a team to playoffs. So I think for Golden State to win and to do well, I think Wiggins really has to be that guy. And I think, to be honest, you know, for Denver to win, you know, to have a chance, I'm going to go with co uh, with co-players. I'm going to go with Gordon. Aaron Gordon really has to be that next person that, you know, when, when Jokic gets doubled, you know, to be able to kick out, make shots, make plays, and to be able to really step his game up and really step his scoring up. And I'll tell you what, I think, you know, who else I think could have a really good series, folks, is Demarcus Cousins. I think Demarcus Cousins, like taking Looney on the block, taking Draymond on the block, like using that size and and really going big, like when Jokic comes out of the game and really just continuing to pound him in. Look, you know, he's a lim- he's limited, you know, quote unquote, a shell of himself where he used to be. I get all that. But I'll tell you what, when you go down low to him, even in you know this year, last year, what have you, when he, when, he, when he got opportunities, I thought he's done well. Now, look, is he going to put up 20 and 20? Fuck no. But if you can give you know, give him small patches of minutes and really go down to him, and when they when they switch one to five and one five pick and rolls and be able to punish guys down low, I think that he you know he needs. I think Gordon definitely needs to be that guy, but I think Cousins. You know, if he gets opportunity to play in this series, I think he could really they could really take advantage of that. You think Denver plays those two at the same time at all? Cousins, no, I don't think I don't I don't I haven't watched them enough to see if they have. But I mean I against would. Golden State, just try I mean, because you know they're gonna go, Golden State's gonna go uber small at some point. Do you just try to say, you know what, we're gonna try to counter it with something strange you haven't seen before? I mean, if, if they're down in the series or they're not playing well, I mean it might be worth a shot and you just post up whoever whoever that small four is guarding. You know, it's funny when Carlisle last year was struggling, uh, when they were struggling, they put Boban in the game. Yeah. And Boban fucking killed people. Yeah, I remember that. Every yeah, time yeah. Boban. Yeah. And I think that, seriously, I don't think you could do it over a 40-minute span in no, a game. No, 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 no way. But, yeah, I think you could play it in patches and really be effective in small patches. And I think Cousins, look, one thing Cousins can do is score on that fucking block. And he could really, you know, he could he could really put you in a harm's way trying to guard the guy. At least get in foul trouble and go at Draymond. Like Draymond gets a quick foul, quick two. Like fucking put him in the game, go down on him again and just fucking force, you know, Draymond to guard you and to see what happens. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Maybe he doesn't. But I think Aaron Gordon really needs to play well in this series too. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that for sure, and I think it'll be a fun series to see. A lot of people have Golden State coming out of the out of the West completely, which is um, which is a big call. So we'll see how that one goes. All right, um, Memphis, Minnesota just finished not long ago. Head start is one zero for Minnesota. They steal home court in game one. Um, I have this in the regular season two and two in this series. Um, I'm picking Memphis four and two, um, so I haven't changed my picks according to these games changing. These are the picks that we've, we've posted yesterday on our socials. Um, I had, you know, Cat I had in my preview as as the X factor in this series, um, and I based that as it's going to be a tough card for Stephen Adams. Um, it's, you know, Cat I've, I've guarded Cat before, and man, he's he's not a traditional center. He can do a lot of different things. He's very very quick off the dribble. He can post you. He can shoot the three. He can put it on the floor. So. 
that you know he's 25 and 10 a night during the regular season he comes out tonight and has 29 and 13 Edwards had 36 Memphis had patches where they really dried up I felt like it, it was Utah-esque some of their offensive sets um, it just looked like it was very stagnant and it was kind of like here you do something with it here you do something with it it just looked janky and that's a welcome to the playoffs as a two seed you got to they need they need to now go to the film room and adjust and Jenkins has got to get into some guys and you know all their grind and we're going to you know, out-muscle them. I think Minnesota just kicked their ass. You know, Beverly was was great defensively, hit a big three late in the game. Um, not many are giving them a chance um, pre-series, but I, I, th- I thought they'd steal a couple of games for sure because I still think they're a pretty talented team. And it's kind of a it's a bad matchup for Memphis, in my opinion. They've got they've got enough enough um, horses on that team to to guard the athleticism of Memphis. Um, they've got Beverly, who's going to get you know up and in. Um, Morant try to get in his head mess with him and like I said Adams is a big part of what they do toughness wise but I don't think he'll be on the floor much this series so that's where I go that way Um, look Memphis seemed like a focus bunch grit and grind of the old school with a great mix of youth and veterans but I think Minnesota have that as well arguably so that's going to be interesting I I think Memphis to fire you know John Morant's their guy he's 28 6 and 6 a game they're pretty balanced with their scoring but so are Minnesota so my two keys are for them to get out of this series John Morant's got to have, you know, he's 28, 6 and 6 the regular season. He's probably going to go 30, 10 and 5 this series for them to get out. And for Minnesota, Cat's got to continue the run that he started game one in. So that's my take on that series. Pro, what do you have? Look, Minnesota's been good. I mean, they've been good, especially the second half of the year. They were one of the hottest teams in the league, in my opinion. I mean, they really upped their game. They really played well. Um, they did a really good job. Coach and staff did an unbelievable job being you know, keeping those guys prepared. I thought the young guys played well. Obviously, Kyle Anthony Towns were carrying them, but Anthony Edwards played really well as well. Um, I think that, you know, for them to have a chance to really go to elevate their game, I really think that Anthony Edwards needs to be that guy. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, you're going to expect that from. You're going to expect his 26 and 10 or what have you and just keep going and going and going. Now, obviously, he didn't have a great game in the playoffs. I mean, and the play-in, whatever. But I think Anthony Edwards really needs to be that guy. It's his first, you know, first run in the playoffs. I think to solidify himself as one of the best young players in the league, I think he has to be that guy. I think obviously Russell and, and, and Towns are going to make their marks, you know, but I think that he needs to be that guy that really, you know, gives him that 25 points, being really efficient, you know, being able to be a guy who could make plays off the dribble, but also, you know, consistently make shots. I, I'm sorry. I did pick Memphis to win 4-2, but I mean, I'm not surprised by Minnesota's great play today. Um, I think for Memphis, look, they've got, they played all, they, they grinded it out all year. They played well. They played tough. Um, they got so many players that could hurt you. I agree with you. I think John Morant really needs to, st- you know, to really be the factor. Um, but I also think Jaron Jackson Jr. really needs to, you know, you, they, they're going to expect Bain to score. They're going to expect Brooks to score you know, and John Moran to do his thing. But I think Jaron Jackson, again, it's all about what you do in the playoffs in my, in, in my opinion, and, and as well as the media's opinion. And I think that for him to solidify himself as that guy, you know, to really up his va- value, I think he needs, you know, the team needs him, but also he, he needs to do it himself. But I think Jaron Jackson's going to be, it has to be that guy as well. I still expect uh, Memphis to win the series, but you know, it's going to be, it might be a six or a seven gamer and, you know, it's not the end of the world when you lose a game and you and you lose your you know game in your home court, but you gotta you know you can't overreact. You gotta get back. Coaches gotta figure it out in the film room. Players gotta hold themselves accountable, and they gotta figure out again. I think 
the key to being successful as a player and a team in this league is to find out why you won and find out what find out why you lost. Find out, you know, the reason why you played well or why you didn't play well. Fix it and then go out and make those adjustments. And you know, they'll do that. I think I, I still think Memphis will win the series. Yeah, I agree. I still think they sh- they should win the series, but we've all been wrong before. And I think it's been a you know it's going to be a a few of these series are going to be hard to pick in these playoffs, which is which is what you want. Um, you want these coin flip type things and and some some things that aren't the norm and don't go a certain way. And I think that's that's sensational for the team. So that's our West. Moving on to the East, Miami versus Atlanta. Miami won the se- season series three one. I think this is going to go four um, one. For the for the uh, Miami Heat, I think Atlanta possibly steal a game. Um, just one of those game three, game four. Miami don't come out right. They might get one of those games. Maybe they get one at home. Uh, maybe they get two. But uh, I'm going four one. Hawks second in offensive rating for the season. Miami fourth on defensive rating. So it's a clash of the titans, a clash of the opposites. Um, but Miami defensively will be a level. Atlanta will definitely feel that they haven't felt for for a while. So I think they're going to be up and in. They have a lot of different. You know, guys that guard on that team. So, I um, I'll be interested to see how that goes. But I, I don't think many people give. I've seen some people actually pick Atlanta as an upset, but I I just don't buy it. I, I don't, I'm not I'm not sold on Miami to championship, but I think they get out of this series pretty unscathed. Um, they're very deep and balanced, Miami. I think they um, you know, have a lot of candidates, but I think they go as far as Bam takes them pro nineteen ten and three a night. I think he's you know with Capella out now. I think he he has a series they get through pretty easily, and he does a lot of things for him. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler's kind of streaky scoring wise. They have Hero off the bench, but I think when Bam has good nights for him, they they really excel. Atlanta's the obvious one. Trey Young, I think. You know he fires. They have a chance. He has a series. Um, he's twenty-eight and ten for the season, um, which is which is pretty good numbers. But he fires, and you know he has a couple of forty-point nights. They can maybe get two or three games and make it a series. But uh, I think this is going to be pretty routine for Miami Pro. Thoughts? I agree with you. I agree. I have him at four zero. I don't think my. I, I think with Capella is going to be a little bit limited with his knee, um, in my opinion. Although I'm not a doctor and I, I don't have any information or intel, but. I think this will be a pretty standard, you know, victory. I think it'll be a sweep by Miami. I just think that Miami's sort of playing well at the end of the year after that little blow up they had, you know, on the sidelines. I think that um, they've been playing well. They're tough. They're they're playing together. I don't think Atlanta has much of a chance. Um, You know, Trey Young's going to go off. He'll he'll at least he'll attempt a lot of shots. I don't know how he'll do, but he has to play really well. I'll tell you, Bogdanovich will get his. I think Trey will get his. But I think the third guy that really needs to be a sort of a difference maker because everybody's going to be expecting those two guys to do it. Kevin Herter's got to really step his game up. I mean, he bent me over without even taking, you know, without even taking me to dinner first in my fantasy season. And he was fucking awful all year. And he's been cons- inconsistent all year. He really needs to be a shot maker. You know, they're going to be doubling Trey, getting the ball out of his hands. The ball is going to be swung to him. He's got to be able to make a play. He's got to be able to make a play, and I think he's got to be able to step up. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich will have big games. Trey's going to have big games, but he's going to really need he, – they need to get something from somewhere else. Gallinari has been up and down, but they really need it, I think, from – you know, the, they're going to get it from those two. Hurt is going to be a, have to be a guy that steps up. For Miami, they've been, they've been playing well. I mean, they've been playing tough. 
you know, you expect it from Jimmy, you expect it from Bam. I really think Tyler Hero really needs to have a good playoff series. You know, he, he played great in the bubble two years ago in their finals run. He didn't play as great last year, you know, in the playoffs um, in their early exit. This year, he's been phenomenal, probably going to be, you know, sixth man of the year, you know, averaging 25 and four. And I, but I think that he needs to really be the guy that's consistently giving them 20, 20, you know, 20, I, I would say even close to 25 a night and being that guy that just consistently gives them that energy, shot-making, play-making, you know, out of the second unit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's – and I think Miami is just so deep. It's hard to hard to circle one guy, but heroes, you know, when they when they dry up, you can bring a guy like that, a la Jordan Clarkson off the bench. They have a series. They can they can single-handedly come in and have a quick 20, which is, which is very, very important. All right, Boston and Brooklyn – I have Boston 4-3 now. I'm going on a bit of a fly. I think Boston are the underdog, even though they're the higher seed. Um, and the Celtics 3-1 and one versus Brooklyn in the regular season. Like I said, I don't take too much weight into that because there's a lot of shit, a lot of bullshit going on during the, the regular season with, with COVID and injuries and all that kind of shit. Um, Celtics switch more than most teams in the NBA Pro, um, which forces the other team to play a lot of one-on-one. Brooklyn love one-on-one pro, so I think it's 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 going to be interesting to see how how tactical Boston get there. Um, I think they will at times get the ball out of KD and Kyrie's hands when they have to. I don't think it's just going to be a, a one-through-five switch all game. Um, Brooklyn ranked 20th in defense, Boston number one. Now, Brooklyn, KD can single-handedly carry this team to the finals. That's my guy um, that I'm picking. He, he's, you know, third, 30 points, seven rebounds, six assists a night in regular season. He's just, like I said, Numerous times, and everyone's sick of hearing. I think he's one. He's, he's the best scorer on any all-around scorer. I think to ever play the game. As far as get me a bucket on and pick a spot blindfold on the floor, he can get you a bucket. Um, so they go as far as he takes them. The Celtics, I picked two guys, Tatum and Brown, for this series as the as as the guys that will get him to the next round, and not for the reasons most would think. I think they offense. We know what they bring. Not worried about that. They're both going to have a crack at guarding KD. I think Marcus Smart will get Kyrie for most of the night. I don't think they go Marcus Smart too much on KD. They might for a little bit try to put a fire out and see how it goes. He's just too undersized, and I think they'll just put KD on the on the elbow or the um, extended post. But Tatum and Brown are going to have to tag team defensively KD and and how they you know Tatum not known to play defense. Um, Brown much better, but they're going to have Tatum's going to be average or above average, and Brown's going to be elite. With just making, KD's going to make shots. He's going to make tough shots, one foot four backs, um, step back threes. It's just what he does. He's, he's an elite shot maker. Just make it hard for him. I like what PJ Tucker did in that Milwaukee series last season. So those two guys defensively need to have a series um, and they've got a chance to get through. But I'm going Boston. Your, your Boston Celtics pro, 4 3. What do you got? I got Brooklyn 4 2. And, and look, and, and I loved how Boston played in the second half of the year. But I'll tell you what, though. I mean, now you got to play Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And I think Kevin Durant's the best player in the league. You know, I don't care about how many games. I'm not talking about MVP voting or anything like that. But I think he's the best player in the league. He's the hardest guy to cover. There's plenty of hard guys to cover in the league. But he could score in any any way, shape, or form. And the guy's just – he's a juggernaut as far as just, you know, putting the team on his back and, and being able to carry him. And with Kyrie and him and, and, and sort of doing it their thing, I think that, look, Boston's one of the best, you know, defensive teams in the league, and I think it's going to be a really tough series. But I, I really do think that, 
you know, facing these two guys on a consistent basis in a series, it's going to be really, really tough to stop. Um, I think for them to really have a chance, I think Andre Drummond really needs to play well, you know, in my opinion. I think that he needs to be, the, again, that guy, that, that roller, that screen setter, that rebounder, and be consistent. I was going to say Seth Curry. It needs to be a third sort of guy. You know, everything's going to be geared towards Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I think Drummond really needs to sort of step his game up and be consistent. Now, I haven't watched, uh, I haven't watched Brooklyn in a few games. So last year, I, I, last year I did this whole thing on one, a player for, I think Winslow for Memphis and the fucking guy didn't play the whole series. So hopefully I'm not putting my foot in my mouth again with Drummond. But, um, but I, I think that like he need like, you know, Curry, I was going to say like, but you know, you know, Seth, he's going to, He's going to be consistent shooting and, and doing his thing. But I really think if Drummond can up his game and be consistent defensively, stay out of foul trouble, you know, uh, be an elite rebounder and a, uh, an elite rim protector, I think that, that you know, just catch anything. Because you know they're going to double early. They're going to get the ball out of their hands and be able to lob, be able to, like, you know, drive to the basket. The, the help steps up out of the dunker. He just steps in, being able to just be a consistent finisher, just consistent player. I think that, you know, for them to have a chance, it's got to be there. I think with Boston, look, Boston's so good defensively. They're supposed to be getting Robert Williams back. Uh, they say hopefully in the first round of the, you know, in the playoffs in this series at some point. I think Jason Tatum just needs to be that consistent player, that consistent scorer. And he's been so good second half of the year. We, I was very hard on him first half of the year. But I think he just needs to step up on both ends of the floor and be consistent. Don't. You know, don't live in a steady diet of tough shots, early shot clock, early game clock for them to have a, a chance at the title, which a lot of teams, a lot of people think that they're a dark horse to get to the finals, if not win it. And it wouldn't surprise me the way they played in the second half of the year. But for them to do that, Tatum really needs to take a look and pay look. I could I could score at any point at any, you know, any spot on the floor. But I just got to really want, you know, I got to really be focused on being as efficient as I can and score 27, not on 29 shots, but if he could score that 27 to 32 points, you know, you know, do it on 18, 16 shots, 17 shots, get to the free throw line, you know, defend without fouling and be that guy, not only that could score 30 to 35 a night, but does it efficiently. I think that they, they're, they're going to go a long way. They're going to go a long way. So I still think Brooklyn's going to win the series. I'm not going to bet against Kevin Durant and then Kyrie playoffs run himself. So I, I predict Brooklyn in six. Okay, fair enough. It's good. We're going contra. Uh, Philly, Toronto just finished game one. It is 1-0 for Philly. Tar- Tyrese Maxey with a game. 38 points on 14 for 21 shooting. Uh, five of eight from three. Amazing. Jo- Joel Embiid didn't have, really have much of a... A game like he's used to, five for 15 from the field. He still had 19 and 15, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it just wasn't a game that he usually dominates from his MVP form. Tobias Harris, also a really good game, 26 points, nine for 14, three for five from three. Uh, really good mix. Harden was six for 17. So the two stars didn't fire pro. They shot poorly from the field and they still snuck over and got that, not snuck over, they belted uh, Toronto, 131 and 111. Toronto... Um, just looked a bit shell shocked. Um, they, you know, Van Vliet was probably one of their better players offensively, seven for 12 for 18 points, but Siakam nine for 18 for 24 points. Pretty balanced, usually, as, as they are, but just didn't, didn't have enough. And 
they did go small ball for a lot of the game. So that's what I wanted to get into here. I picked Toronto much like yourself. I thought this was going to be the upset. I'm just not sold on Philly, but maybe we made the mistake. But Raptors were three and one in the regular season. I'm going Toronto four and two. Like I said, how small ball does Nurse go with Embiid out there? Um, that's the question. They 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 went real small today, and they sent a double from the weak side at times. They they dug a lot. They got the ball out of his hands, but it left Tobias Harris. It left Tyrese Maxey on a swing, swing, swing wide open for feet set threes. So uh, I wonder if they make an adjustment there, or they live with the series playing out that way and 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 saying, okay, if Harris and Tyrese Maxey beat us, we live with that. Matisse Thibel played very, very well for him, um, defensively especially. He was he was the, the usual nuisance that he is on that end of the floor. Now, people might look at a stat sheet and say, oh, look, he was one for one, um, didn't score much, blah, 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 but he's solid for him defensively. He came off the bench, which is, you know, he started for the most part this season, and I think that is because he cannot play in Toronto Pro, so that's a somewhat X factor. He's a big part of what they do, defensively especially. He's probably their best perimeter defender, him and Danny Green. Um, but he can't play in Toronto, obviously. So I wonder if that affects the series a little bit. You know, I think it's smart for them to bring him off the bench, um, even in home games, because you don't want him starting and then not, and then starting and then not. I think it junks up your, your lineups. So that'll be interesting to see um, with, with how they go in Toronto, if they can steal momentum. And we know that crowd up there and that environment, even we've spoken about traveling there is a pain in the ass. So maybe they can, they can salvage a series there, but it looked pretty clear that, that Philly were focused in game one. I had, you know, the MVP candidate. You can't, you can't take away from what Embiid has done. He's, he's, he, t- he if they go into the finals, it's, it's through Embiid. Um, I think if they have more games like they did today, where it's, where it's Maxi or Harris having a carrier, I don't think they're going to go in, into a final series. Um, Embiid led the league in scoring, first big man since, you know, I think two thousand. I think it was um, at thirty-two point six, which we'll get to a little bit later. Toronto, look, very very well-balanced team, but I think Van Vliet's the guy. You know, he's going to be that Trey Young slash Steph Curry on that team where he's he has a couple of nights where he's where he goes for 35 and 10 or, or 30 and 8. And he's if they can cause an upset, he's going to be the guy. He's 19 and 6 in the regular season. I think Siakam's proven himself as one of their better scorers. Um, a few other guys are pretty balanced, but he's going to have um, an elite series for them to get through this one. But I'm, I'm going to stick with 4-2 for, for Toronto and probably be proven wrong, but we'll see how we go, Pro. What do you have? Yeah, I had the same thing, Bogues. I think we're, we're walk, stock, and barrel with that. I, think, I I thought Toronto, especially in Toronto, so tough to beat. You know, they could steal at least one game. I, I predicted stealing one game. I thought they would steal today, but I thought they'd steal one game from, from Philly and then – you know, they're so tough to beat it there in, in, in Toronto. We talked about it, like you've mentioned. Um, but I was a little shocked that they got blown out like they did. Although it's it's early, it's one game. You know, this is what the, the coaches get paid for to to sort of make adjustments. And, you know, like we said, Nick Nurse wears a hat with his uh, initials on it. So, you know, I, I, he could back that up by making great adjustments <laughs> in game two. But, uh, you love the hat. Yeah, I, I love the hat, man. No, I do. I got bust balls about it, but I think it, it's ballsy, you know, because he he's a prick. I I, I coached against him in the D League uh, when he was in 2009. I thought he he's like arrogant, but like he knows what he's doing. He's a fucking really good coach, and everybody speaks highly of his coaching. And I think he backs it up. He does he does do a, a good job coaching his team. So I expect more. I expect a little more out of them in the series with Philly. You know, look like. I really, I do like when, you know, when superstars struggle in the playoffs and see other players step up. And that's what this playoffs is all about. 
you know, you expect Embiid to have that 30, you know, 32, 33 and like 15 nights and, you know, Harden to do his thing. But, you know, to have guys like Tobias Harris and Maxi step up, it's just great to see, you know, because it, they're not going to be on every night. Those two guys are not going to be on every night. You expect them to, but it just happens that they don't. So there's going to have to be other shot makers, other playmakers, and they got to be able to do something else. I think, um, but I do think if, if Philly's going to make it, obviously it's going to run through and be, but I think Maxi does have to have a good series because like, again, everything's going to be keyed on Embiid and Harden. They're going to get the ball out of their hand and they're going to have to, you know, the ball's going to be swung to either Harris or Maxi, and they're going to have to be able to make a play. And, and that's the thing. And that's why it's important that a lot of these young players and role players get minutes throughout the season and get reps throughout the season. So now when the ball gets swung to them, they could actually make a play and at least an attempt to. So I think that that's a, that's a big deal. Um, with Toronto, you know, Van, Van Vliet has to really be that guy or Scotty Barnes, even though it's his rookie, you know, it's his rookie year. He's going to have to step up again. Everything's going to go defensively against Siakam and Van Vliet, you know. But anyway, I think that Scotty Barnes has to be Barnes has to be that guy. I think, you know, when the ball gets out of those guys hands, I think that Scotty Barnes is going to have to step up and make plays. OG, OG, a no, no, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi has to do, you know, but like one of those two guys is going to have to step up. I think Bonds, you know, as a rookie, you don't expect a lot, you know, out of your first playoff series, but, you know, fuck it, you know, put your big boy pants on, you know, and and, and do something. I think for them to win and that has to have another player step up. And I think Bonds has to be that guy. Yeah, fair enough. He, he had a decent game one, um, but yeah, they, they, they got to find something from somewhere and we'll see. Nick Nurse is supposed to be the guru for adjustments, so... That's what I what I picked it on. I picked it on the hat too, bro. So hopefully you can you can prove us right. All right, Milwaukee versus Chicago, the final game in our playoff wrap. Season series was four zero for the uh, for the Bucks. They've they've gone on something like it. I think they're twelve and one, or it's twelve and zero in their last twelve, or something like that. When Giannis plays, I think it's it's ridiculous. Like it's ninety five percent. So they've pretty much owned Chicago the last four or five years. Questions for me. I mean, if I have this series, I have a, I have this as a sweep. I think this is the best candidate series to go for a sweep other than 4-0. Who guards Giannis is my question. I, I just don't think they have anyone that can guard Giannis. Um, not many teams do, but I don't think they have the bodies and, 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 the, and the brood of the basket. You need, you need some, you know, sometimes you need a big back there to be able to verticality and clog up the paint. And I think that's when Giannis can sometimes be slowed with, with you know, big, strong, physical guys in the paint and, and guys with size, but they don't really have that. Um, the Rosen, for me, needs you know he, he's going to be my guy that I pick for the Bulls. The obvious one. He's had an All NBA year. He needs first half of regular season to Rosen just to make it a series in every game. Um, he needs that in every game. He's he was twenty eight five and five in the regular season. He, he's got to he's got to do that or better for them to to not get swept. In my opinion, um, I think it is a huge potential for a sweep series for you betters out there. I think this is the one that might go that way. Giannis is the obvious one for, for Milwaukee. There's a few other players that, that can have a, have a vital role, but, but looking at the numbers, Chicago are absolutely owned by Giannis whenever he plays them. They had that little rivalry, remember, uh, four or five years ago, Pro? Remember when Giannis ran through Mike Dunleavy Jr. and, and took him out? Um, he got, I think he got hit by uh, Dunleavy Jr. at one point, was frustrated, sprinted up the court. Dunleavy Jr. had a, 
had a three-point shot in the, in the corner and just ran straight through him and pushed him into the front row. Ever since then, Giannis has owned Chicago, so who knows if that was the reason. But Giannis at 30 points, 11 rebounds and six assists a night in the regular season, I, I, don't, I don't think they have anyone to slow him down. And even if they do have someone to slow him down, I think Milwaukee's just way too deep for, uh, for Chicago to make this a series, especially considering um, you know, the injuries that, that Chicago have. They've got a half half baked Caruso who's just come back and hasn't really found a form since that injury. Balls out, you know. So I think they have some issues to deal with there. But I mean, look, a, a successful series for Chicago, a season for Chicago, I believe. Um, even though they dropped a ton of shit um, from the top to the bottom of the East as as the season wore on, but we didn't. I didn't really expect them to do too much. I thought the the roster was janky from the start. So I think it's a good starting point for them. They can make some tweaks in the off season, but. Unfortunately, they're getting sweet, bro. Yeah, you know, I, I actually had a lot of... I thought they were going to finish in the top four or five in the East for some reason, beginning of the year. I, I, I like the team that they had. I like... Uh, I, I'm a big fan of ball. Um, you know, obviously, DeRozan and Levine, you expect them to, to really score. But I like ball. I thought Patrick Williams was a good young player that, that could really develop into a Norman Powell-type, you know, scorer at some point. But he got hurt. You know, he was hurt for a decent amount of the year. But um, obviously they fell short. I remember that stat you gave me about record-wise against good teams. And they looked at, I mean, proof is in that. I mean, you can't really lie and, and, and fabricate that, you know, the record against good teams. For Milwaukee, look, they've, they've had the ups and downs like a lot of the teams this year. Um, I think Giannis obviously is going to do his thing. I think for them to really have a chance, not only in this playoff series, but going forward, Chris Middleton really, you know, he was a little inconsistent in my opinion this year. You know, at, at times, I mean, he averaged 20 a game, still like 26 and six. But um, I think he really needs to be a consistent scorer. They're going to try to get the ball to Giannis's hands, you know, anytime, you know, I think any team they face. And he's going to really need to be able to make plays consistently and, and really, you know, really give him that consistent second score to really be able to take over games just in case something happens, foul trouble. You know, they, they do a good job defensively trying to get the ball out of his hand. So I think that sort of has to happen. You know, for Chicago, look, it's the, I mean, DeRozan obviously has to really step up. I, I think Vucevic really has to be that guy. I think he really needs to be consistent and he needs to really up his up his game. I mean, he rebounded well all year, 11.2 all year, but he really needs to, I think, up his scoring. They need another sort of, you know, how's Levine been, folks? Has he been healthy the last, you know, couple of weeks? You know, I haven't I really think, watched Chicago. I think they were nursing him. Yeah. yeah, I think they were nursing him. But, I mean, no, I mean, I think he's healthy enough. Whether that's to shoot him up or do whatever <laughs> yeah. they got to do. But, yeah, he'll be in, he should be in yeah. the lineup fine. Yeah, I don't expect much out of Chicago, unfortunately. Uh, my group chat, my other group chat of my boys gives me shit all the time. They're Boston guys. So I, I was giving them shit about Chicago being better than Boston this year all year. <laughs> and then fucking I, now, you know, now that I'm picking them losing the first round, I'm going to get a load of fucking shit. But hey, it's it's definitely well owed. Those guys did not play well against good teams. One, I think, you know, just like Dallas, one of their best players that had the ball in their hands all the time, not as good as Luka, obviously, but ball is hurt, right? Like this year has been a success in some, in some ways they got to get healthy. They got to just retool for next year. They'll be okay. I don't expect a huge upset here. Uh, you know, just like Dallas, like I wouldn't even fuck around with that shit with Luca. Like if, if, if it's 50, 50 or 40, 60, wait till next year. Don't fuck things up. Don't, you know, medically just sort of let them play. Cause they're going to be fine. Just like Chicago, they're going to be fine. I think ball is one of the best passers in the league. He's not, you know, he's got his faults like a lot, 
But I think without ball, without without that passing and that playmaking, I think it's really hard to get those guys easy shots consistently, you know, with Kobe White versus, you know, versus Lonzo Ball. Caruso, like you said, just coming back. So um, I don't expect much out of this. I expect Milwaukee. Um, I think I had them 4-1. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah four, still one. in the game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I think if they're, if they're completely healthy, maybe they steal a game or two. But yeah, I think they just don't have enough. They're not deep enough. And just before we get to some news, Golden State Warriors for that starting lineup, Steph was off the bench, which is interesting. So they, they went Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevin Lunia. I doubt that's going to be a long stay in the series, but they brought him off the bench. He's played six minutes so far at time of recording. Hasn't taken a shot yet. Um, and Denver is up one at the end of the first quarter. So an interesting series that will be. Moving on to the... Luka Doncic conversation pro, we, we know what it is, we've discussed all that, but I mean, my thing was he played in a dead rubber game pro at the end of the season when I think there was still a possibility to get the third seed, but I think that got wrapped up when uh, via a different result, whether it was Golden State or someone else, I think that got locked in before their game. The question was, why, why did Luka play? Um, and why did he play regular minutes? And I understand it is it is hard as a coach. You're like, do we keep our rhythm? Do we, you know, um, keep the momentum going of whatever's going on and not mess with the game and the basketball gods? But I think in this situation, Luca was already hurt during the season um, and, and numerous times. He didn't come in in shape, all that kind of stuff. I think with a guy like that, that just means so much to what you're doing. I think you you, you got to just you got to yank him and pull him out and not play him in that game, pro. Yeah, you know, Bogues, it's I have always thought that like that shit could happen at any time. You know, a guy could get can, hurt, you but, don't expect him. But Rip, you just gotta minimize once you're locked into a seed and your team, especially Dallas, like he's he is Dallas, right? Like it's not like it's look, I get Brooklyn, like Kyrie and you you know, Kyrie goes down, you got KD, or KD goes down, you got Kyrie, and you know what I mean. But like Dallas is Luka Doncic, so it's like even if it's a Point zero 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 one percent chance he gets hurt. I still probably take that and rest him, right? I mean, but you're right. I mean, it, it is. It is. Who knows? It could happen in the first minute of a playoff game. But shit, you just we're geniuses in hindsight. Uh, no, no, I get it. I get it. It's just like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you know, if he played, no one gave a fuck. If he didn't get hurt, nobody would have gave a fuck. If if he gets hurt now, oh, what does he do? Like ninety eight stories about it. Yeah, I don't know, folks. Like, it's weird. Like, it's sort of like that old adage, like, you know, wasting up a shoot around and play hard, have a great practice, and then somebody gets hurt, and then he turn. you know, the head coach obviously is not going to take take the heat for it. He's going to turn to the assistant. Why the fuck did you let these guys play? You know, like, I always thought that that was weird, like, if a guy got hurt. I mean, it's just – it happens all the time in football. But, yeah, you're right. If it's locked up, you probably should sit him. But, I mean, what do you, what you do as a head coach? You're the Dallas Mavericks head coach. Last game of the season, same situation. Pros the coach. What do you do? I sit. I I, I don't even play him to be yeah, honest. Exactly. Like the yeah. last, same. yeah, like the last game or two of the year. If I'm if I'm basically all set for the either the three seed or the four seed, whatever. I get. I know I'm getting home court. I'm just fucking sitting him. I'm like that's that that's me. But I don't know. Like I don't play him. I mean I don't know. But I, I would sit him for sure. What would you do? Would you play him and then no, and then no, yank him, him, or would you sit him? I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play him. Now, like I said, if they were trying to really get that three seed, um, I think it. Like, I might be wrong. Someone let me know. But um, I, I believe they couldn't really jump up from four to three anyway, because um, I think Golden State won at the time or something happened. But um, 
yeah, nothing. If it was nothing to play for, hundred percent, don't play him. And you just, you just got to have that conversation. Like I said, this got this is a guy that has been hurt the last couple of years at different times in the season, and you need him at the tail end of your of your season to get through a playoff series, which now could be in jeopardy. So just an interesting one, and I'm, I'm sure now they, you know, Dallas are going to treat things differently in the future. But like you know, Dallas is generally a pretty progressive organization with that kind of stuff. Um, I know when I was there, the rest thing was big. They really monitored it. They really monitored the weight room stuff. So I thought. You know, it would have been a no-brainer that Cubes and, and and the front office. Did he say? Did he? Did did Jason Kidd say why he played him? Like, did he? He needed the conditioning or whatever. Whatever. Not really. like, I don't know. I like, mean, you play because you play him. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, I think they. You know, it is what it is. It can, like you said, it can happen any time. But you just you minimize that risk by an iota for your star player. You take that opportunity. But um, also, Ben Simmons rumored to be back late. In the first round, we'll, we'll watch that. Watch that space. That'll be interesting too because it could change the lineup. You know, you're, you're four or five games into a series. Do you start him? Does he is he pissed if he doesn't start? You know, there's a lot of different things that go in with that. Um, John Collins rumored to be back for Game One Pro, which was interesting. Um, if he's back for Game One, it was like, why didn't he play in the plane if it's only a couple of days? But he might. He might. You know take some, some some drugs or whatever to try and get into game one, which is a huge in for them because they, you know, Capella are out already. They need a bit more athleticism in the four and five. Zion Williamson pro, apparently he wanted to play. So a big, big shit fight between him and the front office there. Um, he wanted to play in the playing games. He was only cleared for one on zero on court training sessions at a lighter pace a week or so ago. Hence the windmill video that we've all seen. That was a, a fuck you to the front office apparently and that's why it was recorded because it was like, I'm good to go, let me go. And they're like, dude, you're, you're still pretty large. Um, you're still pretty overweight. You're recovering from a lower limb injury with that weight. We're not, we're not risking you to then be out next season too and you've just been cleared for one on zero. So a bit of a shit fight between the uh, front office and Zion again, shocker, which is almost a monthly occurrence. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I've heard some rumors about his family and him. I mean, they've they've been down on that front office since day one. For one reason or another, they've just been, you know, medical team, front office, they've just haven't been fans. So it is a shit show. It's, it's, who's got the, you know, who's got the biggest Johnson, basically. Like everybody wants to, you know, sort of maneuver for position, you know, doubting what doctors say or injuries as he really hurt, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, man. If I'm them, I'm trade. Like, they just got to trade. Like, I they got to figure something out. Get away out. from it. Yeah. To I mean. be honest, like, I might look to Portland to see if they want to do something like, I don't know, you know, Valanchunas and him for Nurkic and, you know, Dame Lillard. I mean, how about McCollum, though, if, he, if like, he, get, he gets away, not it gets away, but he, yeah, it's Primary basically like the scorer. <laughs> yeah, and now now fucking Lillard comes back. But imagine though, if I'm New Orleans, I'm like, wait a minute. All right, Zion, Valanciunas is very valuable. But if you can get Nurkic back, and then you, I don't even know if this trade works. I'm just throwing it in my head. But if like you know Zion and and Valanciunas, maybe you got to throw him something else. But then you get back Lillard. Like you got to, he's got to go. And like you got to trade him for your own sanity and for the kid's sanity. Let him go somewhere else. Let him someone else deal with it. You just got to make sure you're going to get a start. Look, they're pretty good without him. Now, obviously, he makes them better. I'm not a huge Zion fan, but he makes them better. But they've been doing pretty well without him. Imagine if you can get something that could help your team for him. 
And, and does it, yeah, know, even if Zion is healthy next season with what New Orleans is trying to build, momentum off this, they've surged to a playoff spot, you know, learn from these this series where they probably get walloped by Phoenix, but learn from it, build, maybe get a higher seed next season. Does he come in and fuck that all up again? That's the other question. He, he's there, he's going to be this. He's the loudest guy in the room, essentially, with the way he acts and, 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 and portrays himself. So you worry about that as an organization. Sometimes that's got to be taken into account. Now, it ever really is taken into account with an all-NBA caliber player, but that could set you back too, you know. And then, and then don't forget, he could be out of there in a year or two anyway. Opts out and just leaves. So, I mean, they can get him on the qualifying offer and whatnot, but it does I, I, he's not going to sign the extension there. I would move off him this offseason if I could or get maybe a, a couple of good players back and, and, a, and a couple of picks, who knows. But I that think- would be unprecedented. That would be unprecedented to trade a guy in his rookie deal. Um, I don't think it's been done before. Maybe Porzingis, like they traded him the last year of that deal in New York, but like that's one of the only ones I've ever heard of where a guy didn't sign his original rookie deal with his original team. That's um that that'll be well, he's interesting. Not gonna stay, but you're right. This is the thing. He's not gonna but you do honestly think what do you think the ratio is he stays at hundred percent? That he signs an extension in New Orleans with all this shit going on. We've heard rumors he hates the front office. He didn't like the coach. Yeah, so yeah. You think he's really going to well, stay there? I don't. Bo, folks, I I wouldn't. But like with Injury the history. supermax stuff, mm. well, supermax, you gotta you gotta stay with the same team. You gotta stay with the same team. Now he won't deal with the supermax. He'll lose out on the supermax. But um, extra year, he's right? Got to, that yeah, like more money with the original team. So I think he'll – here's my prediction. He signs it, and then, like, after the first year, and then he's gone. Like, now you – yeah, he'll poison pill him. It, the first deal will be poison pilled in the sense that, like, it will be hard to trade. But I think that um, eventually they'll move him on. Now, maybe they do it before. Who knows? But, again, it's better if he's got a bigger salary. Then you can move him. You don't have to get – extra stuff moving out with him. He's got this big salary. You trade him for someone else with a big salary because I'll tell you what, they're not a developing team anymore. They are a team that's like built for now. I mean, Ingram is a, a star in the league. McCollum's got his deal. Valachunas, Jackson Hayes, and some of the other younger players they got, they're very good. So I think they've done a good job regard like without this guy. And look, he's a good player, but again, he's the best player I've ever seen that can't dribble, pass, or shoot. He is the most effective player. He's a he dominates athletically with his strength and his size. I mean, he's such a matchup nightmare, but he cannot dribble. He cannot like not. I'm saying that like he can't go by anybody. Like people, you know, people say he's the next LeBron and all that. LeBron, if you ever saw him at 18 years old, LeBron was going by guys that they weren't even there. He's a guy that like bang, you know, backs you down, backs you down, and he can handle the ball, but doesn't really go anywhere. He's not a shooter. And he's not really a playmaker for other people, but the guy is productive. So if I'm them, yeah, if I'm them, sign his deal, move him the first microsecond that you can, and then just get whatever you get. Yeah, I agree. Next one. Lakers are targeting Nick Nurse and or Mark Jackson and probably the rest of the league. Um, Quinn Snyder as well is on the list pro. And apparently he's less interested after the way they treated Vogel, which is fair enough, but could that be a money driver? Who knows? But Mark Jackson firming as the favorite to take over the Lakers job, bro. Did you see this coming? Didn't I text that to you the other day that I thought that he would be? Um, yeah, well, he is now. By, be by betting, but I think on the betting, because you can bet on anything mm-hmm. these days, he's, he's the favorite. Well, here's the thing. Nobody wants to coach the Lakers. Like, no respectful coach in the league wants to coach the Lakers because they're not good. 
you got to have to deal with that whole shit show of things. Ram, you know, Mrs. Rambus, Clutch, LeBron, all that stuff. And they're not going anywhere. You know, they're not going anywhere. Like I said, the only way that they could really do anything is to stretch out Westbrook. Then you trade Tucker Horton, um, Tucker Horton to uh, Horton Tucker, however the fuck his name is. You trade him into cap space for somebody else and don't get anything back. And you sign a third player for 20 plus million, whatever they'll have under the cap after that. That's the only way they could do anything. And even then, their benches are going to be very good. So yeah, the roster is what it is. Yeah. Right. So it is what it is. So the only ones who want to coach that are guys that it's a cash cow, they love LA, or they're desperate for a job. Ticks the box on Mark all three, Jack- pro. <laughs> Mark Jackson is a clutch client. Nobody wants to touch him as a head coach because of what he did, the divide that he had and the shit show that he had in Golden State about, you know, the divide he had between front office ownership and the coaching staff and players like that. I mean, he really, from what I've heard, he really turned that into, and I'm not even going to ask you because I don't even want you to talk about it, but I'll talk about it from what I've heard. And like, that's tough. So clutch client, he'll do whatever clutch wants him to do. He wants a job. It's good money, and he gets a coach in the NBA. Nobody's going to – Nick Nurse ain't going to leave a, a team in Toronto that has it on the cusp of maybe being a top five, top – you know, top five, top six, could possibly a top four team in the, in the East to go to the West and coach a team that almost has no chance. Because then when LeBron leaves, and then you're, you're only sitting with the Anthony – Yeah, you sit, like yeah then you're Anthony Davis. Yeah, then, then you're like, like – you know, way back when, when like they drafted Andrew Bynum and they had, you know, they had Karan Butler on those guys and they just couldn't win. Like now you're there, like you're already at places that you could win. I just don't think, I don't, first of all, nobody gives a fuck how they treated Vogel. So let's, let's cut that bullshit right now. All these coaches like to say that shit in the media. They could give two shits about that. If they're going to pay them 8 million, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll fucking pack up They'll pack up Vogel's shit in a box for him, you know, for him, and they'll fucking, you know, send it to his house. They don't care. So that's out of it. I don't, I, there's no compassion in this fucking sport anymore. But I don't think anybody that really, like, look, if they, if, if something happens with Doc and they let him go or they mutually say no, he might do it because he likes LA, you know, and he gets to, get, gets to go to LA. But there aren't a lot of coaches that have good teams that are going to run and jump to go to LA. So, that I do think that Mark Jackson will be the next coach. If it's not Doc, it's going to be Mark Jackson because of those things. He checks every single one of those boxes, and he's a clutch client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've had conversations with people off, off record with this, and some people said, look, it's about time he gets another chance. Would I hire him? No, but maybe it is a time. Maybe maybe he's learned from his mistakes. Um, you know, everyone deserves a second chance. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I think he does. I think he will. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and so he made he made big mistakes, um, but we all have. I've made mistakes in my life, so maybe maybe you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't hire him, um, and he probably wouldn't sign me as a player. But I think everyone deserves a second chance. So I've probably come I've probably come off my high horse of like you know he doesn't deserve to coach in the NBA again. To if, if someone wants to give him a second chance, it's LeBron and the Lakers. Go for it. He's got to keep the witch doctor out of the locker room though. 
He's got. He can't. He can't be bringing the spiritual advisor. That's part. That, that's, yeah. that's what. But that's that's part. That's probably in the contract. You know, gotta keep like, the spiritual. Yeah, gotta gotta keep the spiritual advisor. Let him keep his one eight hundred number and his places in in Venice Beach. But he cannot bring him in the locker room. Mm-hmm. So that's well, that. That would be my probably might be a deal breaker. Who knows? But uh, money talks, bullshit walks. Finally, what the hell's with these fans, pro fans? So in Minnesota. During the plane, I heard. A, fan I glued them, a fan glued themselves to the court, I, I assume in protest of climate change um, or something along those lines. And today, a fan chained themselves to the basket in, in Memphis um, versus Minnesota um, in protest of, of chickens, apparently, of, of culling chickens and so some sort of uh, environmentalist. So um, you guys would have went to blows, pro, I assume, if you ran into that girl, but uh, chained herself to, the, bas- to the, the basket stanchion, obviously not the rim, but the basket stanchion and... These uh, political agendas have people running wild, pro. They're now they're now running onto the court in NBA games. So um, that was I, that was interesting. I thought she was an activist. That she, you know, she wanted to save the glass from being broken. If Carl Anthony Towns shot on the fucking basket because she saw him last game, I thought she was trying to save the basket. But apparently, it's chicken. So. Yeah, no, but the maybe the feminists movement is is all about breaking the glass, pro. So ah, there you go. That might not work. There you go, folks. But uh, interesting one, nonetheless. (laughs) I think the NBA is going to ramp up security if I'm a betting man. So there's going to be much more people with an earpiece staring people down that are walking anywhere near the court for the next (laughs) the next playoffs, um, playoff games all around the league. NBL pro, the Kings are continuing to surge, 13 straight, clinched a playoff spot in the top four. Big win at Illawarra, who are a championship favorite as well. I got to say this, problem, and and I'm not being biased as an owner. The best NBL game I have watched live um, in a long, long time. I went down to Illawarra for that game, and it was a sensational. The product was perfect. That's the game the NBL should be promoting. It was end to end. You know, eight zero run, ten two run, up four, down four. Both teams, high quality, high level, high coaching, unbelievable basketball. Really enjoyed it. Um, we were lucky enough to get up in overtime. Illawarra missed a shot at the end. They made a run against us late, tied, and t- the game was tied. They missed a shot on the buzzer, and then we we stomped them in overtime. I think one by eight or ten. Um, but a big win for us. Obviously locked in a top four spot, so that was great. Perth are struggling. Um, they usually have a homestand around this time of year every season and saying this season with COVID and they just, they've just been horrible in their homestand. They, they got a win versus lowly cans last night, which isn't anything to write home about, but um, they've had some struggles there. Vic Law hurt yesterday on a, a decal slash wet spot. Don't know which one it was, but it was on a decal. Um, he went down, his foot, you know, he slipped and his foot ended up jamming under himself as he fell did not look good. Rumors he left the arena on crutches. Has scans today. We won't find out anything there. But they they lose Vic Law. They're in huge trouble because Bryce Cotton's legs look absolutely fried. He has to carry them every night scoring-wise. Um, and there's rumors that uh, the Perth Wildcat fans want to drive their head coach to the airport the moment the season ends and send him home. So he's <laughs> a proud organization that they've never missed a playoff pro. Um you know, which is which is amazing in itself. I um, mean, they won't miss them, I don't think. Kat, Tassie could sneak into the four Tasmania, but they need to win out. They need to win out, and Perth need to drop one or two. And Perth have a few tough games coming up, so they have Illawarra and Southeast Melbourne left. So we'll watch that space. Melbourne United continue to roll. Real solid outfit. I made a lineup change yesterday in a game against Brisbane. Uh, they benched two of their starters, which was interesting. Which was Matt Delavadova and Caleb Agata, who have started all season for them. They brought them off the bench. 
So I don't know if this was a rest type protocol, maybe to just play them a little bit less towards the end of the season, try some new things. But it was interesting and head scratching. So I'm not sure what's going on down there. Maybe they were late for a team meeting or something. But uh, when you have two bench guy, two two starters benched, it, it definitely raises some eyebrows. Especially considering one of those is is their their, their marquee big spend the big spend on on Dela Vadova. So NBL rolling along. We're almost at the tail end, pro. So um, hopefully I can have a ring on the end of my on the end of my finger at the uh, the end of all this. Useful or useless, pro. Ja Morant is officially the first guard in the league to lead paint scoring since the NBA started tracking it in 96-97. Since Shaq in 2005, only two other players have had more points in the paint, and they were Zion and Giannis. Useful or useless? Uh, useful for sure. I mean, the guy, for what he's done, we, we've been talking about this all year. You know, the guy, what, what this guy's done, being able to finish and get in the paint and do what he does, is a pretty elite status, in my opinion. I think it's definitely something that you look at and you're like, wow, this guy's really done something. I'm a big fan of that stat. I think being able to finish in the paint as well as fail goal percentage in the paint, I think being able to score in the paint like that, I think that's that definitely says a lot about what he's doing in the game and, and you know how he creates. Uh, what do you think, folks? Yeah, same. Um, my question will be, will that keep up in the playoffs? And I will say no. Um, there's going to be a lot of adjustments to keep him out of the paint. It's going to be much harder to do. So that's the interesting one. When you go into a playoff series, they're going to lose a lot of those paint points from John Moran because I just don't think teams are going to give it up as easily as a regular season. But yeah, sensational for a guard to, to be at that clip. Only, you know, Shaq, Zion and Giannis in the last, you know, 20 odd years is, is pretty impressive. Mikael Bridges never missed a game in college pro. Mikael Bridges has yet to miss an NBA game in four years, 331 straight games. Useful or useless? Useful. I mean, it just shows the guy's durable. Plays must have played hurt. You know, a percentage of those. You know, a small percentage or a higher percentage. But guy plays hurt. Guy plays every day. Shows up every day. I'm a big fan of people who could play consecutive games. I don't think it's a bullshit thing. Um, although it could be a Drew Holiday situation when you just check yourself in a game foul and then you know, collect <laughs> a, a couple, a few hundred grand. But no, I think I think it is when you're durable like that. And you could, you know, you sort of check back and do your intel about what how he did that in college as well. I think that's that definitely says a lot about the player. I think it's definitely useful. What do you think? Yeah, useful for sure. Useful for sure. Durability is very, very important um, in the NBA. So um, I did see someone, I think John Morant or someone, no, who was it? Someone was going back and forth with a journalist and the journalist, um, someone said, oh, this is, this is a really impressive stat. An NBA player tweeted about it, um, saying about Mikel Bridges, you know, this deserves more respect or this deserves more accolades. And a journalist said, yeah, the accolades are your paycheck, bro. <laughs> Which is a fair point. You're paid to play, right? So I had a little giggle at that one. All right, Trey Young and LaMelo Ball, both three for 13 field goal in the first half. This is the second time in the last 25 seasons both starting point guards had 10 first half misses, including regular season playing and playoffs. Russell Westbrook and James Harden each missed 11 in game one of the finals in 2017. First round playoffs in the West. Useful or useless, bro? What do you think, folks? <laughs> useless. That's ESPN stats and info. Useless. Three for thirteen in the first half. Whoa, it's the you know we don't see two two starting um, guards have uh, point guards have ten first half misses. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, blah blah fucking blah. 
Yeah, pointless one. Yeah, Intern useless. shouldn't have tweeted that one. Joel Embiid, first senator to lead the NBA in scoring since Shaq in 99-2000. Useful, useless. Uh, useful. I mean, the guy is dominating. Let's be honest. The guy, we talked about it like he started surging. I mean, he played well all year, but like second half of the year, especially, you know, the guys really showed that, you know, he just taken over the game. And he's, I mean, you know, when that guy's healthy, he's a behemoth and fucking impossible to stop. He's different than Shaq, obviously, because of his shooting and all that, but... I mean, the guy is, uh, he, he's worth the price of admission definitely to watch him, especially in the offensive end. Agree. Useful. I think it's useful. Yeah. Useful. There's a bucket down there and out there now. Shouldn't step back threes because Harden got there. What do you have, fact or fake news? All right, Bogues, let's go to it. Uh, well, we covered the first one sort of. Uh, Mark Jackson will be the next coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Fact or fake news? I'll go Fact. I'll go fact. I think he, he, look, he deserves another chance to prove himself that he's not going to do the same shit he did in Golden State. Um, and I think LeBron likes him. Clutch client, all the stars are aligning. It's going to get done. Fact. I think it's fact as well. I don't think, I think that, you know, they'll run Doc Rivers up the flagpole. Obviously, look, Doc's not free yet, like a free agent to be able to do that. But I don't think those guys are going to be want to be coached by Doc as far as why, because Doc will hold them accountable and actually call them on their bullshit. That's just sort of how Doc is. And I don't think they want to do that. So I think they're going to go with somebody, a clutch client, you know, and sort of will get along and then just sort of, you know, just sort of just glad to be there. We'll deal with it. We'll deal with all the shit show stuff. I think Mark Jackson will be the next coach of the Lakers. I, I, I truly believe that. All right, let's stay on Philly just a little bit. Um, if Philly gets bounced in the first round, which doesn't look like they're going to be, but let's just say they do. Do, uh, Joel Embiid will ask for a trade. Fact or fake news? Fake news. He's Mr. Philly. He's embraced it. I think um, he's the man. You know, go somewhere else. He might have to have a, a lesser, not a lesser role, but, you know, stats might be hindered a little bit if he goes to a, a team that's stacked. So I would say uh, fake news. I think he's staying. He's not going to leave Philly. Yeah. You know, at first I was like, maybe he does with all the, with all the shit show stuff. But, I mean, look, James Harden just got there. Now we we talked about the Tom fuckery of you know not signed his extension yet, so maybe you know I don't know maybe he's playing a little game there to to be able to get out just in case you know things don't go the way he wants them to. But I think he'll stay. I think Embiid wants to embrace the town. I think that you know he's a little bit different, he, even though he's outspoken. He's a little bit different with that. I think that he you know he's not one of those guys who wants to go around the seven teams. That's his team. It's his organization. Even if you're wanted by other places. You know, when you go to another place, you're not really embraced like that, you know, especially if there are other people there that had history, you know, with the organization that are really good players. Um, you saw that in Golden State when other guys would go as free agents, but like, come on, you know, Steph Curry's always going to be Mr. Golden State. Yeah, even KD. And it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. One of the best yeah. players of all time went there and he was still, still Steph's team, no matter how you looked at it, because he's built that brand there, right? Same as Joel Embiid. I think he's – when you think Philly, you, you think Embiid. So I, I don't think he asked for a trade. It would be crazy if he did. I think that's um, fake news. Fake news. I got one, bro. Right, I got one. And this, uh, isn't, this, isn't, me, this isn't me making it up. This is uh, being put out there by LeBron James himself. Fact or fake news, quote from LeBron James, roster moves, not my decision. No. Fake <laughs> fucking news. I saw that one. I was like, are you kidding me? Who are you, who are you trying to fool? Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. If those things would have went well, 
it would have been leaked out that he made all the decisions. But when things don't go well, you know, hands up, I'm like, oh, it's not me. It's sort of like the guy that was um, that was fucking with um, the kid from Charlotte that threw the mouthpiece and hit yeah. the girl. Yeah. And then the guy put his hands up like, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, come on now. You know, let's, let's be honest. Have you seen a more leaky sinking shit than the Lakers this offseason so far, pro? This is like every other day. There's something leaked. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, and now they're trying to control it and 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 sort of blame certain people. We talked about the Westbrook. That's what thing. I mean. Have you seen more yeah. leaks than these out of a team? No, that's fallen from no. grace. I haven't. This is it's unbelievable how much leaks there are. Like of, of trying to point the finger and this guy's fault, that guy's fault. Just let it go. You guys sucked. Move on with it. Rebuild. Come back next season. Well, it's amazing some of these organizations that are run by billionaire owners that run multiple multiple successful businesses. And these are billion dollar entities. They're not $200 million franchises anymore. They're two to like four to $5 billion per franchise. Like, would you run a two to $5 billion franchise like this? Like that, the shit show that it is? Like have some pride in your organization and stop the circus music you know, it's just a complete fucking circus. You know, you know, half of when Magic Johnson, you know, Magic and Palenka, when those guys are going at it, then you got the LeBron thing and then you got all this. It's just, you know, it just, it has to stop because look, the Lakers are going to crash. Now they'll always be valuable, like one of the most valuable teams in pro sports. But like when this LeBron thing leaves, you're not going to get anything for LeBron James. You're gonna. You're probably gonna get rid of Anthony Davis at some point. You're not gonna get a lot for him either. You'll get decent stuff, but not a lot. You're not gonna have any draft picks really to retool this thing. This thing's gonna be a shit show. It's that. It's a shit show because you let it happen like that. You had LeBron James, you know, where he was productive. You had Anthony Davis. You had a few other players that you could have moved. Yeah, they overpaid for Anthony Davis. They gave up Ingram and a lot of other stuff and picks and things. But they got Anthony Davis. He's still a very good player, regardless of his injury history or what have you. But these other moves, because you're four, like you've got 18 sh- you know, cooks in the kitchen running things that you're not – it's just a shit show. It's not being run effectively, and now you're going to have to pay the price for five to eight years. You can't, you're not like the New York Yankees. It's not like baseball where you could just outspend everybody and build yourself a World Series team in a season. You don't do that in the NBA. You can't. LeBron James at the end of his career, you're not getting anything for him. You're not getting anything. You don't have anything that's truly all that valuable on your roster. So now you're going to have to retool this thing. And you had a chance to sort of have these young players, you know, where you could have had some other things. But, you know, even with the Westbrook trade, why not just keep the Kuzma and the Montrez or Relic? There's so many moves that were just fucked up that they made. And now you just fired your coach after two years away from winning a championship. It's 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 insane. It it's is insanity. more like a love this pod as usual. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just I've never seen this many leaks um, on a sinking ship before. Usually you ship sinks and you just let it sink and you kind of just shut the fuck up and go quietly into the off-season and retool and then back in training camp, like, hey, yeah, we're, we're going to try to tweak things and be better. But there, man, every other week, it's just it's just crazy. And, and question for you real quick to wrap up. If Rob Palinka doesn't have that Kobe relationship and his name's Joe Schmo, when would he have been fired? <laughs> All-star break, 
Nah, you know what? He would have been, he'd be fired. A year he ago. Would have been fi- he would have probably been fired a year ago. Well, uh, like he just, here's the thing though, Bogues. If he didn't win a championship a year ago, for sure, he won a championship. I think that right around this time is when you would have probably let him go. Because watch, he won a championship last year. You know, last year wasn't good. Then this year, you don't really usually fire a GM. It's not yeah, like I would say all star breaks fair. All star breaks fair. Yeah. Or this season at least. Surely they Yeah, this season. You don't you don't usually fire a GM like halfway through the year, you usually wait till the end. But like, yeah, definitely like they say he's gonna he's got two more years left in his deal. Probably would have got let go for sure after this year. Yeah, if he's but Joe the Kobe Schmo, thing's gonna thing's yeah. gonna save him. He's gonna play out his he's gonna have his whole contract. You know, he'll get that two years, I reckon, just because that relationship Hopefully you enjoyed the playoff previews. We'll do another one next week and have some some better results. And looking forward to these playoffs, bro. Yeah, it'll be fun, Bogues. I, I love the playoffs. Don't really like the regular season all that much, but the playoffs, I, I definitely think it's high-level basketball. So it'll be fun. Yeah, give us a share, give us a follow. You should know all the tags by now. I'm not going to repeat them, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, bro. Thanks, folks.